Hello and welcome to the Essential B2B podcast, brought to you, as always, by Lead Forensics. I am your host, Joe Ducaro. This episode is the audio taken from the webinar we ran recently called Seven Secrets to Social Selling. For this, I was joined by Morgan Smith, co-host of the B2B Power Hour podcast and MD at Aligned. Morgan brought wonderful energy to the conversation and offered up some brilliant tips and tricks for upping your social selling game. We are yet to start our podcast on whiskey, tacos and books, however, but I'm sure that will come in the long run. There is loads to take away from this podcast episode. You really are about to learn a lot. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the Essential B2B podcast. But let's uh, not waste any time. Let's let's get straight into this, shall we? So, uh, what do you think is the most important element of successful social selling? I think it all comes back to credibility, and I think we spend a lot of time confusing attention for credibility. So there's there's this idea that if you have ten thousand followers or fifteen thousand followers or whatever, you're a really credible person, and that's the goal. And that may be well true, right? There's probably a, an overlap between having a lot of attention on the platform and having a lot of credibility. But credibility really is, can I trust you? Are you showing up with good intentions, right? Uh, Can you solve my problems? And the truth is nobody really logs into LinkedIn, for example, to be pitched or to be sold. So I think the goal for any seller who wants to use social effectively is to build credibility, build that trust, show up with good intentions, and have good conversations before you ask for the meeting or before you get them into your pipeline or into a sequence of some kind. That is, that yeah, that's the thing I always pay attention to. Am I building credibility with my prospect? And does, do you think credibility comes with forming a sort of a rapport, a relationship with people on social? Yeah, for sure. I think that's also why, I mean, I'm biased towards not sending emails or, or or not sending like direct messages all that often. I think if you're if your prospect's active on the platform, right? They're commenting on stuff or or they're even posting content, which is a little rare, but you know, at least they're engaging on the platform, just engage with them, you know, like building that rapport digitally first and just mm-hmm. like getting your face and your name in front of them. Maybe they visit your profile and learn a little bit more about you. Like that is is the I would, you know the juicy stuff before you have a a sales focused conversation? I guess if you if you yeah if you get to understand someone's personality a little bit more before you even start that process, it just mm-hmm. breaks down so many barriers to you, doesn't it? I suppose rather than just saying oh it's a name that pops up in a as you say in an email or something, right? Um, exactly. So do you have any examples about you know people who have successfully leveraged social selling to drive results at all? For sure, for sure. I think one of my favorite stories, because I think there's a lot of stories about people who who like use content and then they get mm-hmm. they go viral and then they drive a lot of inbound off of that, which is again the attention credibility thing. I'm like, that's interesting. It happens every once in a while. I don't know. The story I always like to tell is uh, we were working with an SDR and he had 800 connections or so, like nothing crazy, right? 800 mm-hmm. followers, and we worked with him to do a lot of like on-platform engagement. So commenting strategies, getting in front of prospects, not pitching, right? Yeah. And building that rapport and, and that visibility, having good conversations. And within like 60 days, I think he had booked 35 meetings and closed three five-figure deals. 
Come on. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of that just comes back to, you know, I um, at the B2B Power Hour, we have this rule that we like to call vampire sales. So Go in, in, in folklore, uh, uh, vampires were not allowed into your home unless if you, they were invited in, right? And so vampire sales is you're not allowed to pitch unless if you're invited. So if you mm. think about that as an engagement strategy, you are going for them to ask you, so what do you do? Or like, tell me more about your company, right? If you can't say anything about that until they ask you for it, it means you're there showing up, asking good questions, having a good time, dropping valuable resources. Hey, did you see this article I just saw the other time? Have you seen this post about this topic you were commenting on? And like really ramping up that engagement. And it's it's more even than just building rapport. It's like value deposits, dropping value. Because if you obey vampire sales, and this SDR obeyed vampire sales, what happens is it 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 shifts the conversation where somebody realizes you're taking a genuine interest in them. And then they'll naturally say, okay, well, what do you do? Tell me more about you. And in that moment, then there's that good, is this prospect the right fit? Is this the right time sort of conversation? And that's when it starts to snowball, where mm. if you're doing this across 10, 12, 15 different prospects mm. in a given week, a good mm. number of them are gonna be like, yeah, let's hop on a call. Tell me more about what you do. Let's see if we're the right fit. <laughs> <laughs> so that's something that I'm curious about then, because obviously if you're nurturing that sort of relationship, it does take, you know, it takes time. Oh, how, yeah. do, how do SDRs and salespeople, how do they balance the time between, you know, putting the time in and still, you know, meeting their sales targets? It's, a gr it's like the ultimate question that you just asked. <laughs> <That's right>. uh, <laughs> yes, no, 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 it's a very good one. The way that I, <laughs> the way that I balance it is... Uh, I do like prospecting power hours. So it's a, it's actually two hours, okay? And I'm not trying to mislead anybody, but <laughs> the, the power hour is actually two hours. And on the front end, it's 30 minutes of prep of building the list or finding the people, doing some research, gathering that names and getting focused. And then on the back end, it's reflection, like what went well, what didn't, and some mm -hmm. data entry in case you have to keep track of some stuff. It works for any channel, but social especially. And the truth is that if you're blocking out a, an hour of prospecting with 30 minutes of prep and 30 minutes of reflection, that's the two hour prospecting power hour, you can run one or two of those a day, right? I mean, that's it's a good amount of work. You're not gonna do them back to back. You might do them in the morning and in the afternoon. And if through the week you spend maybe one to three of those chunks on social, you're gonna stay on top of the conversations. The mistake that I see SDRs make is, they think that they have to be incredibly responsive on social. And it's just not the truth, right? Uh, if I get a DM from a prospect, I can immediately respond, right? But then you get sucked into the platform all day because you're waiting for that response, right? You got mm -hmm. the window open mm -hmm. and then you start scrolling the feed and then it's like three hours later and you're like, I haven't done any work. <laughs> I've just been scrolling LinkedIn. <laughs> so like, time blocking that and saying, I'm going to spend an hour on LinkedIn here or even 30 minutes in the afternoon, just responding to some conversations or some comments. That's the easy breezy way to really stay on top of it without feeling like you get sucked into the platform. Cause you don't need to respond immediately. It's not a sales platform, right? If, mm -hmm. if we remember it's social media and people are just there to engage and have fun and be inspired, we don't have to respond immediately. 
right? We can take four hours to get back to them or even the next day and then just keep that momentum moving. So it's more about, so it's less about the, as you say, you know, jumping straight back into it then. It's more about if you can consistently dedicate mm. that time. It's, you know, I've worked in, in social a little bit um, here and there. And that's the, one of the key things that kept coming back is it doesn't, you know, your plan strategies, whatever, it doesn't, you know, they can alter and change very somewhat. As long yeah. as you are consistent with what you're doing, that is what will get you the results. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> I think the main mistake I see, uh, well, SDRs and any account executive who's like full cycle, the mistake that they make is they'll they'll spend five hours on a Monday on LinkedIn because it's the most amazing platform they've ever seen. And then they keep that up for two weeks and then it just peters out and they're back to cold calling and they're back to cold emailing. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's pace <laughs> ourselves here. Let's run the marathon, right? Let's not do uh, uh, all of our work up front. So yes, consistency is key. And uh, you gave a few examples of, of you know, um, how to go about building reports, commenting, engaging, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What other ways are there of connecting with people and building those relationships on social? So I think the first layer here is strategic, and then we'll talk tactics. So the strategic question is, are they active on the platform? Because if they are active on the platform, you shouldn't be sending in-mails or or a personalized connection request. If they're posting content, respond to the content, right? If if uh, they are, uh, apologies, I just saw my camera flicker. The um, okay. <laughs> if if they're commenting, if they're liking on stuff and they're commenting on things, then you should be responding to those comments and showing up in the same places that they're engaging. I think we default to this sort of like direct method when for everybody, but that's not the truth. There's there's gonna be a lot of people who aren't super active and in in that way, that might call for a direct connection request, right? Or a personalized connection request. Whereas if they're active on the platform, you should engage with them. So tactically speaking, I think about content, comments, and conversations, three Cs. So content is a great way to educate and nurture an audience. They are, it's a long-term play. But if you think about an email nurture sequence that you spun up for a prospect, what if you put that into the feed, right? If you have an email nurture sequence, you could just turn that into content that if you're sending connection requests that are blank or you're engaging with people, you're educating those prospects on a particular piece of what you sell or the problem that you solve. Comments are great because there's no cap on them. There's cap mm -hmm. on connection requests, there's caps on in-mails, there's caps on a bunch of other stuff on LinkedIn, but there, and even content to some degree, like you can't post a bunch in one day, you can't flood the feed without getting punished, but there is no cap on comments. So comments are a great place to engage directly with your prospects, right? So somebody's commenting, you respond to their comment, or they're posting content, you respond with a comment. But even more dangerously, here's a pro tip that I love, is you pop in the comment section of the influencers that they follow, the thought leaders that they follow. And this yes. is sort of like a like a one-to-many play in a way, where it's like, um, chances are if your ICP prospect follows Joe, there's other ICP prospects that also follow Joe. So showing up in those same places gets you in front of a lot of ICP prospects, right? And then last is, is conversations. So send it a DM, send a connection request, send an email. Uh, those are always options to like strike up a conversation, 
But again, if you think about it, if you're obeying vampire sales, the way you're going to start that conversation is not, hey, I've got this great product that you should check out. We should have a meeting. It's like there's going to be a whole other utility tool belt of conversation starters you need to use. Mm. Just on the, the comments thing as well is I think if you are regularly commenting on those people things, they will start to recognize your name. When, and they will Huge. spot that, oh, it's it's Morgan again. He's come back saying, hey, that was a great podcast. Come and listen to mine, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And actually, you know what's really funny with some of the SDRs we've worked with? We've seen this happen um, where somebody gets really engaged on LinkedIn and then they send an email. And the prospect remembers their name because they've been engaging on LinkedIn, but they just sent an email. And so it's like, oh, well, yeah, I've seen Morgan's name on LinkedIn. And they've gotten responses like, hey, uh, love seeing your name in uh, my inbox because uh, I know we've been chatting out on LinkedIn. Yes, this is relevant to me. Let's have let's have a chat sort of thing. I mean, it, it's not just even on platform. There's benefits elsewhere. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure you'll have had this as well, but even I've got messages, you know, emails just from people saying, hey, I heard your podcast on that. I really liked it. So here's a, a thing that I'd like you to get involved with. So yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, so on the, the content creation side of thing then, mm. um, how do you create content that's compelling? How do you ensure that people are going to engage with what it is that you're you're putting on your socials? Mm. I, I mean, feel it's, like it's a tricky I, one. But... <laughs> I was going to say, if I had an answer to this, I would... Yeah. I would I, I would have a lot, a lot of money, um, but because <laughs> this is what everybody asks. I but I do think there are a few principles. The first is that the algorithm is a black box. Nobody really knows how it works. And so it's important to make peace with the idea that if only a few hundred people see your post, it's still a few hundred people seeing your name uh, and your photo and your headline and whatever your piece of content in the feed, even if they're scrolling past. So there's mm -hmm. some benefit to that. Um, but really good content usually starts with a problem. What is the problem you're trying to solve, right? So if you think um, like a content marketer or even a product marketer, one of the great questions that they ask is, how does this content solve the problem that our audience is experiencing? And so usually, like, you know, I talk, Chances are I talk a lot about social selling and sales navigator and a bunch of stuff like that. And so the problems that people have are like, how do I save leads and lead lists? Or how do I use this new feature in sales nav? Or it's even some of the questions we were talking about today. How do I engage with prospects and, and get them to be interested in me? So I'm going to create content that educates the audience around that. Now, the problem that I've noticed is that at different companies, SDRs and AEs are not necessarily equipped to answer those questions really effectively. Because there is a certain way you wanna answer that or educate the audience, right? It's not really about your product, it's about the workflow, the methodology, the idea. And so one of the things that I do a lot is um, I go out and do searches. So I, you know, I don't spend a lot of time doing this, maybe it's every other week. I'm gonna mm. time block out 30 minutes and I'm gonna search for the things that my prospects are talking about. And I'm going to see, how do they articulate it, right? How do they talk? Like, one of the things I've noticed is a lot of SDRs talk about using LinkedIn productively. I would talk about that challenge very differently, but a lot of people talk about it using LinkedIn productively. So I can go back and create a post 
that's like top 10 ways to use LinkedIn productively or my, you know, number one secret for whatever the hook needs to be there. And uh -huh. basically the, the strategic goal here is to tie whatever that piece of content is to a problem that that, that person is experiencing. Um, actually writing it is an art form and all that means is the more you write, the better you get at it. I look at content that I wrote like starting two and a half years ago, and I'm like, oh, God. It's like going back and listening to old podcasts, and you just, oh, oh, I'm just yeah. not that person anymore. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's okay not to like be great at it the first time you do it. So then, I mean, just on that, then, if if that's what how you spend a bit of time is, you know, searching what people are talking about. How much have you written about AI recently? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I've only I've had a couple of posts. Uh, <laughs> it's so true, right? Every chat, every third post is like chat GPT in the oh. feed. It's <laughs> and act, you know what's actually interesting? Can I tie this back? Please. This to me is the difference between attention and credibility because it's trendy to talk about AI, which will earn you attention. But that doesn't mean that the attention that you earn is actually going to convert to, mm. to booked meetings, to qualified opportunities, to close deals, which is the reason I'm out on social. Like I'm there to, to build business. So, you know, for my audience and what we sell and what we offer, we don't really, we don't do much with AI. So I'll talk about it every once in a while just because it's fun. But I'm focused on that credibility side where I'm like, okay, what did, what does somebody need to know before they buy? And then creating content around that. I guess it's that value add, isn't it? It's if you've not necessarily got anything original to offer, then yeah. don't really talk that much about AI. <laughs> no, exactly, right. <laughs> so then um, something that has, uh, in my sort of work with, with socials and bits and pieces that I've done across you know, a couple of years now, um, someone once said to me that authenticity is the currency to social media and having a social presence. How does that then translate into social selling, would you say? It kind of ties into your credibility um, piece you were talking to, I imagine. It's Yeah, and it, the thing I find is it's really hard to balance for the seller. Unlike, okay, so unlike somebody who can just go and create a personal brand and who's a, a freelancer or has is a coach or a consultant, right? They have a lot of freedom and flexibility about how they can show up. And so authenticity to them can be this really, really wide range. But for the seller at a company, right, they have some they have some balance here. And the and I think of the balance between like being NASCAR, where you just have a bunch of logos, you know, you're sponsored by a company and it's just the company's profile and, mm -hmm. and you as the individual, especially because chances are tell any of the sales managers this but you're not going to be at your company forever right like you're eventually going to move on and so how do you balance those long-term career things with your current company selling to the prospects that you want to reach building your network it can feel tricky and and then to layer on authenticity how do you show up as yourself mm. so what i always come back to is first principle is your linkedin profile is yours so make it yours it's not your company's Find that balance between telling your own personal story, right? Between where you came from, the jobs that maybe you've worked so far, the passions, the interests that you have, and the reason why you wanted to work at the company you wanted to work at. And it doesn't have to be a deep reason. I mean, sometimes you want to work at a company because it pays you money and, and you need to pay rent. Like, like it doesn't have to be profound. Um, 
but at least to sort of tell that story. And the second thing that I notice a lot is that people sometimes, and I, I'm guilty of this, so maybe this is more a reminder of me than for anybody else, but sometimes I lean too heavily on just engaging with prospects and that related content and like focus on this thing that I wanna sell. The truth is it's social media. There's a lot of cool stuff out there that you can engage with. And and authenticity to me means showing and sharing those interests and passions that aren't just about work, right? It's showing mm. up as your whole self. And so um, at the very end of my about section, I have this like, I love to talk about whiskey, tacos, and books. And so sometimes... <laughs> Let's start another podcast, Morgan. Yeah. That sounds like a wonderful time. <laughs> but it's true. I uh, and and so, and that'll prompt funny conversations in the DMs, or somebody will will you know some guy does stuff with like whiskey Fridays, or I don't know, you know. And I'll go engage and be, have a good time there. So I think it's okay to show up authentically, um, and it's good to just remember that even though it's a professional network, it's okay to show your personal interests and your personal passions and um, just be smart about it. You know, like sometimes companies are really restrictive about it. I would encourage leaving a workplace like that um, if possible. It's kind of, we're in the new age here. If you social sell, mm -hmm. you need to be able to show up as you. Somebody should, uh, my rule is when I get on a call, my hope is that I'm no different than what they expected from the way I engage and write content and have conversations digitally. Yeah, it's having that personal alignment, isn't it? It's I'll tell you someone who does it absolutely fantastically is um Travis Tyler from Panda Dot. Yeah. He is fantastic. I think it was only that might have been today or even yesterday, he just put up a picture like, right, back off my vacation. And it was just a picture of him in the bath. And I was like, That's great. Yeah. You know? I I really, really enjoyed that. He's <laughs> awesome. I saw um Caspian Lukey is another one who's really good at gong. He posts a bunch of memes. And that's because he loves comedy. Like he loves making people laugh. And it is a true passion project for him to find and create and curate funny sales memes for people to engage with. And yeah, he shares personal stuff like that all the time. I love Travis. He's great. Oh, he, he's brilliant. We we had him on a, for a webinar earlier this year. He was just, oh, he was fantastic. So. Oh, he's so good. Yeah. Um, just to get back to something that you said uh, around content, it was you were saying, you know, the the more you do it, the the better you get at it. So mm. I, f I wonder if it's going to be much the same sort of answer. But how do people improve, like continuously improve their social selling mm -hmm. skills? Is it a case of just it's time in the ring, you've just got to get on and do it? Is there a secret sauce? <laughs> so I think that content in particular is partly like going to the gym where you just need enough repetitions to build the muscle. Um, and the same goes for engaging or, or having conversations on platform. I think there, it, it, there, you just need the repetitions in the gym. But the truth is that you can do an exercise in the gym really poorly. You can have poor form, right? And so you can learn the wrong lessons. So, uh, or, or you can hurt yourself in the process. So I think the real question for me is always like, what's the proper form? What are the guidelines here for sellers that they need to obey? Vampire sales is one of them, I think. And uh, one of our more powerful ones is the rule of three. So if you're engaging with somebody on platform through the comments, you want to have three round trips before you send a connection request. So this is a really interesting principle because we were trying to figure out how can we get our connection rates 
to 100 percent this is the experiment how can we get every single connection request that we send to be accepted and without personalizing it right or without having some additional message and the truth was that if we had three round trip conversations so joe you and i you have a good comment i respond to your comment right so that's one you mm -hmm. respond again and then i respond again that's two and then you respond again and i respond again that's three by that point if i send a connection request you're almost 100 percent guaranteed going to accept so the truth is a lot of sellers have difficulty getting up to those three round trips because we don't know how to formulate a comment that kickstarts a good conversation so mm. the guideline is work towards the rule of three what are the repetitions how can i get this comment to kickstart a response right how do i ask a better question at the end of the post how do i tell a funnier joke i love funny comments i love insightful comments curious comments like there's these flavors that you can add or tag in somebody else to be like hey joe what did you think about this and so if the guideline is the rule of three the goal is the repetitions on the comment gets you to that point where whoever you're having a conversation with continues to respond right and that can be over two days it doesn't have to be immediate um, the other thing here uh, aside from just doing more repetitions on content is when it comes to content take a look at the posts that do get a lot of engagement and then unpack them a little bit. It doesn't have to be anything profound, but there's a few you know, things that get shared out a lot, and it is true. One is a hook, right? What is going to stop somebody from scrolling? The two is, what's the story of the post, right? What is the person going to learn? Is there more than just, um, I mean, there's obviously a, you know really strange examples on this. There's funny ones where like, I was at 4 a.m. in an airport and doing all this, and it's like the hustle stuff. It's like, uh, mm -hmm. there's those sorts of story posts, but um, you know, what is somebody gonna take away from this post? And then how do they format it, right? One of the mistakes that I see a lot is uh, people will preserve really chunky text in feed. And the point is, yeah, it's kind of funny to like read a LinkedIn post that's like one line at a time, but the reason that works is because it's mobile optimized. Something mm. like 60 to 80% of people are on LinkedIn on their phones. And so when you actually read it on a phone, it reads really nicely. It's really well formatted to read on a mobile device. So having a big chunk of text, somebody's eyes are just gonna gloss over it. And my goal on content, like the rule of three is the goal for comments, my goal on content is to earn inbound connection requests. So commenting will support this as well but what i want is somebody to to see a post in the feed and then i earn a connection request off of it and from that i want to to uh i maybe i'll send them a dm like hey you know great to be connected how did you why did you want to connect or did you see something that was interesting or thanks for stopping by my profile something catch your eye sort of thing and all of those elements are ways to improve your content because you'll learn iteratively mm. like a feedback loop from the responses on comments and why people are are sending a connection request and so to to keep on the sort of the theme of figuring out what works um with content how then can you measure success of your social selling efforts and make data driven decisions 
we've spoken about content. I want to get back to the sort yeah, of the, yeah. how you measure the sales success. So uh, the truth is, sales success is sales success. Like what? you want book meeting, <laughs> you want qualified opportunities, you want those to become closed one deals. The truth, the mistake that I see is we treat social as if it was cold calling or cold emailing. And the truth is, the time, the distance between your first point of contact on cold call, cold email, and the time to book a meeting is usually pretty short, particularly if they're a qualified lead, right? The time is much longer on social from first contact to booking a meeting. And that comes back to the credibility challenge. People don't log into LinkedIn to be sold. They come there to learn, to engage, to be inspired. So the goal is to earn that credibility with the person before you book a meeting. Almost by law of nature here, one of the things that is really interesting to see is that the back end is very different. So whereas it's very easy to get a, or quick, if they're the right fit, to get a lead on a cold call to a booked meeting, oftentimes it can take a long time from booked meeting to closed deal. And so this is more of a concern for mostly account executives, right, who are doing this. Um, if SDRs are compensated on booked meetings, maybe it's less of a concern, but uh, for social, even though it's longer on the front end, the back end is a lot shorter. And if you think about the reasons why, and we put all these pieces of the puzzle together, the reason is the buyer already trusts you. If you've been engaging with them and you've been publishing content and you've been having good conversations in the DMs, the buyer already trusts you. The buyer probably has a good sense about what your company is capable of and what problems you can solve. They also already see you as a credible source or as a person that can help them. Whereas on a cold call, you're just somebody picking up the phone. Hey, it's Morgan. You know, let's have a chat. And you know, I don't know who this person is. What this company is. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you want to roll the dice, sort of thing. You know, and uh, <laughs> the classic openers. And so there's the credibility is not there. And so traditionally, converting that booked meeting from a cold call to a closed one deal is a lot harder because you have to do all of the work that social does up front. So the way this translates to data and metrics is we usually set a 60 to 90 day benchmark to see results. And the truth is it's, it's sort of like an escalation ladder. So there'll always be low hanging fruit, people who are in the right time, right mindset, ready to buy that you can find and engage with that will usually close pretty quickly. And then, once we shift a little bit longer, 60 days, 90 days, or even a little bit longer, your work through that by commenting, engaging, getting in front of the audience, producing content, that's going to educate and nurture those leads so that maybe when you send a DM or they come inbound, that timing fits up. And so we start to snowball and we start to create this momentum. And so I don't log at a technical level. I don't log anything on LinkedIn into my CRM until they are a booked meeting. Some mm -hmm. sales managers hate this because they want visibility into how that channel is working, but we don't have that visibility yet. Um, sales Navigator can help organize some of this work, but from a data perspective, I'm waiting until booked meeting to take that lead and put it into the CRM. And that way I can see over 90, 180 days, 360 days, how many meetings are coming from this one channel and how many of those meetings are converting compared to maybe my cold calls or my cold emails. So it's just, it's a little bit of a longer play, but I'm still looking at those end result sales metrics just at a different timeline.
So and and also like uh, you, you spoke to you know some of the the objections you might come up against when social selling you know versus the the cold calling objections. Are there any other like common challenges and and, and objections you get in social selling versus the ones you get in cold calling? Are they much the same or? It's a it's um. So I think the thing that uh, I see SDRs run up against the most is uh, either some sort of like messaging fit or timing fit on social. And the truth is, unlike so, so this is this is the risk. You really only got one shot on social because if they ignore your connection request, like mm. there's it's it's not a burned bridge but you get to wait a pretty long time before you can try again. Um, same with in-mails, right? Somebody sees your in-mail, they go, oh, not for me. And so they'll just ignore you now. They put up a, it's like a spam filter, but for their brain. So it's like a mental spam filter. I don't need to pay attention to this person anymore. Whereas on cold calling, you can just pick up the phone again, <laughs> you know, a week <laughs> later. Hey, I called you last week. We didn't have a chance to chat. You know, you got 27 seconds to roll the dice or whatever. Uh, and that's not true on social. So the the reason that I so when I use direct direct connection request direct in mail I'm staying really really targeted I'm talking like three percent of a total list I'm rarely doing this where I'm sending some sort of pain based message to try and prompt an immediate response observation about their account why that's important. Is this worth your time? Are you interested to have a conversation to sort of like prompt that conversation? So a lot of the, the buyers, the most common objection on social is that they're not interested, which is pretty common on cold call. But the way it can come across on social is they'll just flat out ignore you. So you don't mm. even get that feedback. Yeah. They'll just, they'll just click ignore on your connection request or they won't open your email or they won't respond to it. And so it's really, really important to recognize like the ways that you can get feedback and overcome those objections are through conversations in comments and DMs and et cetera, and not necessarily a traditional way of just going direct and, and seeing who bites because you won't earn that feedback that you might earn on a cold call where you can hear the tonality or, or the way that somebody is objecting to it. On social, there's there's this whole screen you don't even get to see, and they just click ignore, and they, you don't get anything out of it, so. Yeah, you don't even get to know that, you know, they're just going, nah, forget it. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right, and and and, and it's, it's infuriating because other times, somebody may just not have logged into the platform for a while, and so you don't know the difference, or you don't know if somebody just missed it, Right? There's no feedback on direct, and that's why a lot of the indirect side comments, content conversations are are much more useful for validating and, and overcoming those objections. Hundred percent, it's lovely stuff. Morgan, you've you've offered up quite a lot of uh, actionable tips and tricks for for our audience today, so that that's absolutely fantastic. Morgan, then I'm going to ask you for if uh, if there was one. One key takeaway you would like everybody watching this to remember today. What is the the most important thing, the golden rule about social selling? Do you think you got to earn the conversation? That's to me the golden rule. You just got to earn the conversation because if you don't, uh, people will just ignore you, or they'll think you're spam or they won't see the value in talking to you on a social media platform. And so earning the conversation comes back to how well you know the industry, 
how well you know the account you're trying to sell to, how well you know the person you're trying to sell to, your guesses about what their problems are or what they're interested in, and really, really just having genuine conversations, like spending a little bit of time to build that rapport, to, to build that uh, credibility with the prospect is really where you win on social. And um, it's and it always shows up in the long term. It's you know it always snowballs down the hill where maybe today you feel like oh it's kind of a waste of time, but then 90 days from now that prospect is like man Joe, you're the guy I need to talk to about this, and that's <laughs> when you see the payoff. You've earned that conversation. And particularly if you are prospecting Morgan Smith, mentioned whiskey, tacos, and books, and and you're it's in, true. you're away. <laughs> <laughs> You're in. You're in. Exactly. Morgan, <laughs> well, hey, thank you. One last Sorry. idea, and this is um, more for uh, executives, but you asked about data and metrics, and I didn't want to forget this. It would be, it's very fascinating to work with companies who can cross-reference lead forensics data and see the accounts that you're working on LinkedIn. It's a very cool RevOps way to see, are we getting traction from these accounts? on other portals besides our individual sellers profiles it's another way to look at success in in the long run i just wanted to drop that one in there well no thank you very much and obviously we appreciate that you know you can't ask for more there can you so yeah. <laughs> uh, morgan thank you so much for joining us for this webinar thank you everybody for watching we'll be back next week with another lead forensics webinar thanks very much thanks everyone Well, there we go. Morgan Smith on the secrets of social selling. Here are our key takeaways. Credibility is important in social selling. Attention should not be confused with credibility. Building trust, showing up with good intentions and having good conversations before asking your prospect for a meeting or getting them into your pipeline is crucial. Engaging with prospects on various social platforms, building rapport and understanding their personality before the sales process can really help break down barriers. Follow the vampire sales rule. Don't pitch unless invited. Deposit value and engage genuinely. Content, comments and conversations are the three C's of social selling. Engaging with your prospects by using all of these things is really going to help you succeed. Thank you again to Morgan for joining me and thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to the Essential B2B podcast wherever you get your pods and give us a five-star rating where possible. We'll be back next week with another excellent edition of the Essential B2B podcast. Mm-hmm.